Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Joshua chapter 10, we're going to look in the Word of God, a a story that comes from the uh, life of Joshua. And the, the way that God began to give his people, the promised land. And what we're going to find here in this scripture is we find a story that reveals the power of God through the obedience of a willing heart. We're going to learn something very, very important that every believer needs to understand. How many know that we serve a powerful God? When we are doing our New Believers class, one of the things we learn about God is that He is omnipotent. That means He is all-powerful. That means that there is nothing that God cannot do in His strength. And that omnipotence is what makes Him God. But see, there's a problem when you start talking about God's power. And the problem from our point of view is that we believe God is powerful, and yet we don't see God doing powerful things in our lives. And we have to consider what is the reason for that. And we're going to find the answer to that question here in this scripture. The reason is that God's power is never isolated. What I mean by that, the power of God is revealed through the obedience and the faith of his servants. And it is a cooperation. This is a message I've titled God's Power with Man's Cooperation. And this is a critical thing that you and I have to understand. Let's learn from the example of the servant of the Lord named Joshua. We're reading together in Joshua chapter 10, beginning with verse 5. And I'm going to read from the New Living Translation today. It says, Five Amorite kings combined their armies for a united attack. They moved all their troops into place and attacked Gibeon. The men of Gibeon quickly sent messengers to Joshua at his camp in Gilgal. Don't abandon your servants now, they pleaded. Come at once, save us, help us. For all the Amorite kings who live in the hill country have joined forces to attack us. So Joshua and his entire army, including his best warriors, left Gilgal and set out for Gibeon. Verse 8, do not be afraid of them, the Lord said to Joshua, for I have given you victory over them. Not a single one will be able to stand up to you. Verse 9, so Joshua traveled all night from Gilgal and took the Amorite armies by surprise. The Lord threw them into a panic And the Israelites slaughtered great numbers of them at Gibeon. Then the Israelites chased 
the enemy along the road to Beth Horon, killing them all the way to Ezekiel and Makeda. Amen. Let's pray right now. Father, we thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the encouragement we find in your word today. God, that you would help us once again to cooperate together with you as we see your power being poured out in our lives. And all God's people would say, amen. Now, this ancient story of a battle between Israelites and five Amorite kings and kingdoms This might be just a study in how to win in warfare, how to have battle. But I tell you this morning, it is a lot more than that. This is a story about the power of God. And that's why it applies to our lives today. Now, I am not here to advocate this morning that any of you pull out the sword and go attack some evil king empire this morning. However, I am here to tell you that there are enemies that are gathering against God's people. In our scripture, it says that there were five Amorite kings. This was a time that God had given Joshua the commandment to go and take the promised land, right? The land that he had promised to his people, all the way going back to Abraham. And uh, then through the ministry of Moses, we know that the people were in disobedience, and so they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. But as Moses passed away and Joshua takes the reins of this nation, God says it is now time for you to enter into your destiny. It is time for you to take what belongs to you. And as they are going through, we know uh, that there was the battle of Jericho, there was the battle of, at Ai, There was uh, many cities that they began to walk through. But here's the good news, is that God began to give them victory. And I want to tell you, God is a God who wants to give us victory. But the way that that victory comes is not easy. Listen carefully this morning. God said that that land belonged to them. He called it the promised land. He said, I promise it. To you, that you would walk in it, that you would take dominion over it, that you would claim it, and that you would walk. But listen, those cities, as they began to go from one city to the next, how many understand that the land was filled with giants? It was filled with enemies. It was filled with people who did not agree. In fact, they would come to these cities and they say, The Lord told us this is our city. And all the people in that city, Did they just go, oh, okay, enjoy? Oh, no, they found resistance on every hand, right? They found people who were unwilling to give up what God said was already theirs. They had to fight for the promise that God had given to them. Did you hear that today? The same is true about you and me. God has promised us incredible things. God has laid before us promises of deliverance and victory. And he has given us the mandate to go forward and to claim lands and cities and peoples and kindreds and tongues and Virginia Beach and neighborhoods and people. God has given us a promise. But just because... 
we say we're God's people, that is not enough to claim the promised land, is it? There is some obedience and some fight required for God's people. When it comes to serving God and living for God, there are things that God has called us to, right? God has called us to be transformed in our minds and in our hearts. God has called us to holy living. God has called us to be disciples, which means that's lives of discipline. How many understand you can't have a life of discipline automatically? I wish I could just flip a switch in your life. I wish that there was just some, a disciple switch on the back of your neck. I could turn on the disciple switch. Oh, I'm a disciple now. I'm going to show up on time for prayer. But there's no switch. It takes a fight, doesn't it? It takes decisions. That's what Chris is talking about. That's why I was so inspired by that book, is it gives us a strategy on how to make those tiny decisions on a daily basis, which all add up together to a changed and a victorious life. Now, as the people of God are going from one city to the next, it's a time of conquest. It's a time of advancement for the children of God. God had renewed his covenant with Joshua. And there was a new generation of faith rising up from these former slaves who had escaped Egypt. Aren't you glad that God can take slaves out of Egypt and give them promise and destiny in a new land? Listen, that's what God's doing with us today. Former slaves, slaves of our sin. God has rescued us. God has redeemed us. God has done miracles to set us free. He has given us leadership in His Son, Jesus Christ. He has given us power and equipment through the Holy Spirit. And He says, go! Go and fight some battles. The question is, will he find people of faith? Because that is what is necessary today. When we talk about faith, we are not just talking about some mental acknowledgement that says, oh yeah, I believe there's a God up there somewhere. Even the devil believes that there is a God. Even the devil has a mental acknowledgement of a God in heaven. Listen, that's not what impresses God. The thing that impresses God is faith. What is that? It is trust in him. It is, God, I take you at your word. If you said that you've called me to a life of holiness, then you know what? I'm going to move my life toward holiness. I'm going to start getting rid of pornography. I'm going to start getting rid of lies and slander and backbiting and gossip against people. Because that is not a holy life. God, you've called me to holiness. This is not going to be easy. But God, I believe you have given me the strength that I need to walk in your ways. To do what you've called me to do. It is not enough to just sit on your chair and say, God, would you help me? Would you win all the battles for me? We know that God gives us the power to win battles, but not automatically. God is not going to supernaturally and, 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 and all, you know, without your participation, he's asking that you and I would cooperate. Now, when we see 
what God does in this story, it's so, so powerful. I want you to look at verse 8, where God speaks to Joshua, and he says these words. He says, do not be afraid of them, for I have given you the victory over them. Not a single one will be able to stand up to you. Now, just understand that this is a private moment between God and Joshua. This is a moment where Joshua has come to the Lord to seek his counsel, to seek his will. This is a private moment of devotion. I want to talk to you about the power of devotion for just a moment. And when I say the word devotion, I don't just mean, uh, you know, what the world says, I'm, I'm so devoted to you, you know. But devotion is those times that, God, I'm going to seek your will, I'm going to seek your word, I'm going to seek your presence. We're talking about your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is Joshua, we find him, and he is able to hear the voice of God in the midst of all this vicious planning of the enemies. Remember, our story begins as there are five Amorite kings who have bound, banded themselves together in order to attack God's people. Can I tell you, there are still forces today that are banding together to attack your life, to attack your family, your marriage, our nation, our way of life. There is an attack going on in our culture today that the forces of hell are combining to come against what God says is right and what is true. We have to be aware that the forces of hell will at times band together for greater strength and greater effectiveness. Now, in that moment, when the Amorites begin to uh, begin to uh, pool their resources and come together. When the forces of hell start to uh, cooperate one with another, you know what the you know what the temptation is right there. The temptation is to dig in, to get ready, right? It's the prepper movement. I'm going to dig a hole under my basement and stock up on uh, on uh, on food and rations and ammunition. Man, I'm going to I'm going to dig a hole, and put a tarp over it so nobody will ever find me. Because the enemies are bending together. i got to move up to the mountains, and, uh, you know, uh, i gotta, I got to get some camo, and, and uh, you know, i got to get, uh, get some uh, uh, solar panels and live off the grid. And Look, all of that is not evil. But I'm telling you, that is not the right strategy for the kingdom of God. We are not here just to survive. We are not here just to get through the attacks of hell. We are here to overcome by the power of God. The church for too long has been hiding in a hole like Saddam Hussein when they found him. Remember that? They called it a spider hole. And he came out looking all bewildered and long beard. And, and that's the church hiding in a spider hole for too long. Listen, God has called us to be overcomers. God has not called us to hide out and prep and uh, stock up on food and ammunition. Look, there's some responsible things there. But listen, God hasn't called us just to be survivors. He says, don't be afraid of them. See, in the moment when the enemies of God begin to band together, we have to overcome that temptation just to survive, just to get through. 
just to dig a hole and protect. What we have to do is hear from God. This is what Joshua did. He went into a secret place and he began to cry out to God, God, I need to hear from you. I need you to show me what to do next. I need, Lord, your direction and your understanding and revelation. Because how many understand Joshua by himself, he can't do this. Isn't that what Jesus said? He said, I'm the vine, you are the branches, and without me, you can do nothing. He says, you are going to need my help. And listen, we still need God's help, don't we? We still need God to give us direction, understanding, revelation. The only way you're ever going to find that is by seeking him. By seeking him. How do we seek him? The same way Joshua did, he found a secret place. He began to pray. He began to put his face between his knees and cry out to God, God, I need to hear from you. Where is the God of Israel? Where is the God of my forefathers? Where is the God of Abraham? Listen, the Bible is very, very powerful because it says the same God who spoke to Abraham is the same God who spoke to Moses, is the same God who spoke to Joshua is the same God who speaks to you. When you seek him, he is not far away. The Bible says he is near to the brokenhearted. He is close to you in your time of need. He is waiting for the moment that you will simply turn to him. See, the problem is that when we are puffed up in our pride and in our own strength and we say, "Uh, no, I can handle this, God. And Jesus reminds us, without me, you can do Say that one more time. Without me, you can do. It hurts our human pride, doesn't it? But it's true because without him, when we don't cry out to him, the Bible says our lives are being led toward destruction. Think of Jesus for just a moment. Jesus, who is the perfect son of God. We sang about him this morning. He's the lion and the lamb. He is the lion of Judah. He is roaring with power. All of these amazing titles that the Bible gives to Jesus. And yet, when Jesus comes to the earth, Jesus doesn't come saying, I got this down, man. Everything's good. I can go. I can do the will of God. What's amazing to me is how often Jesus prayed. How often did Jesus call out to his father for help? And my thought is, if Jesus needed to pray, don't you think you need to pray? Think of this, just a few scriptures here. Luke 5, 16. So he often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Luke 6, 12. It came to pass in those days, he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Mark 1, 35, in the morning. Having risen before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and he prayed. John 6, 15, when Jesus perceived they were about to come and take him by force, he departed to the mountain again by himself alone. I wonder what would happen to your life if you had a commitment like that to seek your father in a place of prayer. I wonder if God would give you the strategy that you need to overcome your enemies. 
I wonder if God would help you to overcome that pernicious sin that keeps coming back again and again. I wonder if God would give you a mind to defeat the strategies of hell in your life. But the problem is we often say, ah, God, I don't need your help. And we continue living in defeat. We continue trying to attack the enemy without God's help. It's a bad strategy, isn't it? Because the devil's a lot smarter than you. And by the way, he can pool his forces and resources for times of battle. That will overwhelm you and overcome you. The Bible says that sometimes the enemy will come in like a flood. Have you ever seen a flood? Have you ever seen when the flood waters rage and they take down anything in its path? That's what it's like to face the enemy on your own without the help of God, without seeking him. But Joshua said, no, I can't do that. Lord, I'm going to need your help. I'm going to need you to speak. I'm going to need you to help us today. See, when you will make time for devotion, when you will make time for prayer, when you will make time for his word, I tell you this, God will speak to you. How often do we hear it preached? How often do we hear it in sermons, even in songs, in Christian music? Seek the Lord while he may be found. And yet our pride continues to lie to us, say, no, I can do this on my own. What will happen if you would pray? God will speak to you. And what does he say to Joshua? First of all, God says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. See, prayer can prohibit fear in your life. See, when you pray, when you connect with God, it raises us up in faith. And wherever faith is, there is no fear. When you have faith and trust, God, you've got my back. Do you know what that does? Fear is banished from your life. The fear of hell, the fear of self-reliance, the fear of the world coming against you, it melts away. You don't have to fear. The byproduct of fear is paralyzation. When you are afraid, do you know what you do? You freeze. And many people, when they freeze in fear, that's when the devil is able to attack. It's the armies of Israel before a Goliath. You remember that story? Goliath is there standing in the valley. He's shouting at them, you, you can't get, you sitting out a warrior. And what do they all do? For 40 days, they were paralyzed with fear until there was a young man who was there to deliver some cheese sandwiches. He was there. He was on an Uber delivery. And he brings the cheese sandwiches to his brother, and he looks out, and he sees Goliath nine feet tall. Send me a man! And all of Israel, in fear, paralyzed. David said, who do you think this guy is? David said, huh, he thinks he's something. He says, I defended my sheep. I prayed, and God gave me strength against a lion. And God gave me strength against a bear. Is this guy even more powerful than that? No way! He says, I'll fight him. He was not afraid. He had faith, and therefore he was able to attack Excuse me. 
The Bible said that not only will our prayers prohibit fear, it will bring victory. Look at our scripture again in verse 8. It said, do not be afraid of them, for I have given you victory. Say victory. In the New Testament, it says we are more than conquerors through Christ who strengthens us. More than conquerors. Listen, we are not called to be those survivors. We are called to be more than conquerors. God doesn't just want us to survive. He wants us to have victory. Not a single one of them will be able to stand up to you. This is all what happens when you will cry out to God. And I want to close this message by reminding you of the beauty, God's power, through man's obedience. Look and see, this, this, what this story does is it shows us how God moves. Now remember, the first thing that happens is these five armies gather together and they attack against, they begin strategizing against the people of God. Now, at the prospect of that great enemy that is coming against them, Joshua goes to the secret place and he cries out to God, God, I need you to speak to me. And in his prayer, God gives him this message of hope, gives him strategy, gives him a message of victory. But how many know at that moment, the victory is still not won? At that moment, Joshua's fear is gone. <clears throat> He's full faith. But the victory is still not won. What's required next is obedience. Look at verse 9. Joshua traveled all night from Gilgal and took the Amorite armies by surprise. Sounds like George Washington. In the middle of the night, surprise attack. But listen, that didn't just happen by accident, did it? That was bold. That took some time and some effort to, to, to bring things together. He had to plan. He had to think. He had to strategize. and He had to, <clears throat> he had to put all this together because God had spoken to him. It's not enough for you to sit here in the service today and say, yes, pastor, amen, praise the Lord. And we get encouraged and we get hyped up, but then what comes next? He said, we're going to stay up all night and we're going to march. He moved in obedience to God's promise. It is not enough for us to read the Bible and say, yes, there it is. There's the answer. I've got the victory. And then do nothing. Prayer is powerful. It is absolutely necessary. But it is not enough. There is something that comes after prayer. That is obedience. Joshua traveled all night at the word of God. And he, he was filled with the Holy Spirit, the confidence, the fear is banished, and Joshua surges to the battlefield. Now watch what happens next. Verse 9. Joshua traveled all night from Gilgal, took the Amorite armies by surprise. Verse 10. <clears throat> the Lord threw them into a panic. Did you see that? The Lord stepped in and did something that Joshua couldn't do. So Joshua, he did what he was able to do, right? He marched in. He said, you know what? We're going to plan. We're going to make an attack. We're going to come in by night. We're going to surprise them. And as soon as they did that, God says, yes! There's somebody who listened to my word. 
Now I'm going to help them. And the Bible says God comes in and he puts a spirit of panic on those enemies. They begin running around. Their eyes are bewildered. Oh, what's happening? This is what happened when the four lepers of Samaria, they begin marching toward the camp. You remember this story? They said, we sit here, we're going to die. We go into the city, we're going to die. We might as well go march toward the enemy and they'll kill us first. They're all full of faith, right? All they did is start moving four lepers, body parts hanging off of them. And the Bible said, God saw something. He finally found somebody with a mustard seed of faith. Somebody who would just simply believe him to go against the enemy. And the Bible said when God saw that, he caused their footsteps to sound like an advancing army. And put a spirit, that same spirit of panic in the Sumerians. And they said, we got to get out of here. The armies are coming against us. God did something that those four lepers couldn't do. Listen, that's what we need. That's what we need. If we're going to have any chance against the forces that are arrayed against the church today, if we're going to have any chance to win in our culture again, if we're going to have any chance to see revival in 2020 or 2021, if we're going to have any chance, we've got to step out in faith. But listen, God's got to do something. God's got to move. He's got to do what we cannot do. We do what we can. We get a building. We work hard. We lay carpet. We outreach. We pay money to support. All of those things are things that we can do. And without that, God says, huh, if they don't want it, then I'm not going to help them. But when we begin to engage, God says, okay, now. Now I'm going to do something that they can't do. The Lord threw them into a panic. And as they begin to panic, this is where Joshua sees his opportunity. And after marching all night, now God begins to move. And Joshua says, okay, we're moving too. Joshua and his army. It says that the Israelites begin to slaughter great numbers of them. And the Israelites chase the enemy along the road all the way to Ezekiah and Makeda as the Amorites retreated down the road. So there they are. They are fulfilling the plan of God. They are taking commandment. They are conquering the enemy just as God has commanded. There's a lesson right here. When God is moving, you've got to move with him. When God is running, you've got to run with him. When you see God saving people, this is why when we have new converts and we've got our brother Oscar and he said, Pastor, I want to study the Bible in the morning. Do you have time? I I could say, no, man, I need to get my rest. No, but I said, I'll meet you at 630 in the morning. Do I want to do that? No. But I do. I get up. I'm going to be down here tomorrow morning, 630. I said, Brother Oscar, I'll meet you here. Let's study the word of God together. Because I see God moving in his life. And I want to move with him. I want to run when God is running. I don't want God to get ahead of the church. Because as much victory as God will give, we want to receive it. We want to receive whatever God has for us. Lord, 
deliver us from any attitude that would say God wants to give us something, but we don't want to receive it. I wonder what does God have for you in your life, in your family, in your marriage? What does God have for your future, for your ministry, for your destiny? If you're going to receive those things, it's going to be when you are running with God. Bible says as we close this last phrase in verse 11 you're going to love it you ready <coughs> that as the Amorites were retreating it was like a scene out of uh, out of the Lord of the Rings or something you know all the orcs blood was flying men and the Bible said that as they were winning the battle that there was more enemies than they had the power to slay did you ever feel like that Lord, you've given us too much to do. This call for the gospel is too big for us to accomplish on our own. And it's true. The battle was, <clears throat> was too much for them. And so God says, you know what? I'm going to help them again. It says that as the Amorites were retreating, the Lord destroyed them with a terrible hailstorm from heaven. The hail, this is the last word of the story. The hail killed more of the enemy than the Israelites had killed with the sword. Do you know why God did that? Because God didn't want them to take credit. Because then when the battle is over, and they're looking down at the field of dead bodies, and there's, there's 20,000 of them that had just been killed by God's hail. And there's only a little pile of a few thousand over there that they killed with the sword. You know what they're going to say? God, you did this. God, you did this. You helped us. As we were there in the conference, I was able to give a testimony of this building, how, how, you know, how we got into the building last year and the miracles. And I feel the same way. You know? There were some things that we had to do to get into this building. We had to come up with money. You know, we had, to, we had to renovate this place. We had to believe God and pray and fast. And there was people here believing God and praying and fasting and, and, and believing and trusting. And, you know, we had to be the ones negotiating. And we had to be the ones that took the keys and signed the papers. But, you know, when I look back at it the last year and realize that, yeah, we had to do a few things, but God had to do a whole lot more. God had to do this miracle at this exact moment in order to make it happen. God had to give us <clears throat> the school. The, the, God had to give us uh, people to be able to uh, trust their children that we were going to teach them, right? God had to bring in people. God had to bring in resources. God had to give us uh, our, 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 our uh, Spanish church that is here on, you know, between our services. God had to orchestrate all. I couldn't do that. You can't do that we look back at it, I see God did everything. That means I can't take any credit. As much as I want to say, yeah, I was, I was smart. It's a good thing I'm so powerful. I can't do it because I know that I haven't done anything compared to what God did. When you get to the end of your life after running with God, after fighting these battles, after seeing God's victory, you're going to turn back and you're going to say, God, you did this. He's going to get the glory. 
This is the miracle of God's power with man's cooperation. I want to challenge you today. There are battles that God is calling you to today. There are victories that God has for you right around the corner. It's going to require your obedience. It's going to require you overcome your fears. But when you will, I'll tell you, God is powerful to help you, to help you raise your children right. God is powerful to help turn the tide of our generation. God is powerful to redeem those years that you've wasted in sin and disobedience and give you a future of hope and purpose. Will you run with God? Because I believe he's running. God is moving right now, and it's time for us to run with him. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vbph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website, vbph.org, and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.